I mean, the it. other side of this is that Judith paid for that house. Right. Joseph didn't. Fuck so why should Joseph. he get it? Take your plumber's crack somewhere else. <laughs> Welcome to The Devil's Margarita. I'm Amanda. And I'm Allie. And um, I'm so sorry about what I'm about to put you through. I'm nervous. <laughs> yeah, no, like, I, I've got to admit, this story isn't one that I would normally be drawn to, but I have a feeling that you might know this one, or at least people who are listening will know this one, because it's a Hollywood murder. Ooh, Hollywood. I ended up picking it because I feel weirdly connected to this one. And I think it was because when I was a kid, my absolute favorite movie was The Land Before Time. (gasps) I know what you're doing. I was obsessed with that movie. Like, you don't understand. Like, I wore out the VHS tape. Yeah. I loved that movie so much. Like, I think some of my earliest memories are of me and my mum watching this movie. Mm. It was a classic. Because, yeah, it came out when I was real little. I think it came out when I was like three or four. And I was obsessed with dinosaurs Mm. they were my favorite thing ever see i I guess like you know before we go into like the awful things we're about to talk about maybe we should get nostalgic again the late 80s early 90s instead of being you know like last episode was 2006 emos Uh this is late 80s early 90s well like had i known we were gonna go this far (laughs) since we had our last episode i I went to Uncle Dan's to prepare for recording sessions and got my alcohol and I got some lemon ruskies because I was like, you know what? Throwback. Since that last episode, I was just like, I need to just throw myself back into the (laughs) early thousands. So I got some lemon ruskies. Also, nice side note, they had like this Smirnoff. I remember Smirnoff Double Blacks. Lol. Oh my God. I used to get so drunk off those. Seriously, (laughs) it was bad. (laughs) But they have um, a variant of them now and they're like in a tiny can, like half size can. What? But they're double the alcohol content. Like, I think they're 9%. Hang hang on, wait. They're double a double? Yeah, they're double a double. Oh, no. Yeah. It's insane. I Yeah. I'm glad they weren't out when I was, um, a, you know, late teenager because, <laughs> no, would have been bad. I said to Cuggles, I was, like, looking at it, and I'm like, this is purely for teenagers to get absolutely, like, slaughtered yeah. But, yeah, so I got myself some Ruskies. But had I known we were going that far back, I would have got some West Coast Coolers. Oh, man, West Coast Coolers. I know we talked about this before, but they are so bad and good at the same time. Right. They changed their label. I didn't recognize when I went to Uncle Dan's. But, yeah, they have changed their label, which is kind of sad because I remember the old school label. I think it was, like, white and blue. And I just remember, like – Yeah, no, I remember that. used to always peel off as you went because, like, it was the cheapest drink. So they used the cheapest glue to slap on the label. (laughs) For, for those who are not in Australia, Uncle Dan's is a liquor store. But it's not actually called that. It's called Dan Murphy's. Uncle Dan. But, you know. Keeping us Because they're so up. fond of our alcohol. It's Uncle Dan. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, like, I remember, like, when I was that young, I don't know what it was about dinosaurs, but, like, I was fucking obsessed. When Jurassic Park came out, which I think came out in, like, 94 or 95, I can't remember. I lost my mind. I lost my little mind. It was so exciting for me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, like, that's how obsessed I was with dinosaurs. Okay, this is really, really nerdy. But I think I might have been, like, first or second grade. I did an extra project that literally no one asked me to do (laughs) just because 
I wanted to do a project on dinosaurs and I gave it to my teacher and everything. I wonder what she thought. She's like, why are you giving me this? She's like, this one is special. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. I remember having the um, Jurassic Park. Oh, was it um, Super Nintendo? I think it was a SNES. It was a Jurassic Park game for SNES. And oh my God. It was so scary to me. <laughs> You would literally get in and it would be like, Jurassic Park. And I'd be like, nope, that's enough gaming for me. Turn that off. <laughs> and I could oh, never dear. get past like the first five minutes of the game because it was terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> it's really weird, actually. I was never afraid of dinosaurs. I was terrified. I really should have been. I was a very scared child. Maybe it's because when The Land Before Time came out, it made dinosaurs more like friendly to mm. me. I just think I was scared of everything. Jurassic Park, I was scared. X-Files, I was scared. I was scared of, like, liftoff. I mean, but that was actually terrifying. <laughs> um, I think that was an Australian show as well. Mm, I was never scared liftoff. of EC, but I was all, like, I always wanted an EC doll. I don't, I don't know why you'd want one. So I guess, again, for international listeners, Liftoff was like a TV show. It was a kid's TV show that was on TV in like the 90s. Mm. And it centered around a doll that had no face. And it was actually fucking terrifying. Mm, EC. I think the whole point was meant to be that you were meant to imagine what it would look like. But instead, it just looked horrifying. Yeah. I feel like it was supposed to represent everybody as well. Yeah. I just remember the um, the elevator with the plant that had an eyeball. Did it have an eyeball? I'm going completely on a tangent here. I can't remember. But this is just making me think of all like the really terrifying looking Australian stuff, that, like Molly Grubs. That was fucking terrifying. No, that was just nightmare fuel. Molly Grubs was just a coloured screen with a face, face in it. Yeah. It was so disturbing. It's very Rocky Horror, but- yeah full face yeah but also for kids it it, it mm. was really strange i i yeah google it it's terrifying mm, weird scary don't like it okay I, I think we should probably stop procrastinating and just <laughs> get into it does not want to jump into this because i know it's so sad yeah exactly like i was saying just before we skip record that i would research this uh, most of yesterday and when i was finished i finished about 6 30 last night and i was like okay well i'm depressed now mm. this is not gonna be i don't know if we're gonna have very much to laugh about in this one because it's just it's so bad so i'm just gonna give one blanket disclaimer before we start this story is about crimes committed against a child i'm also going to talk about domestic abuse and violence a lot so if either of those things are triggering for you maybe skip this one and come back for the next episode mm. so i guess if you haven't guessed it already i'm going to be talking about the horrible story of judith barcy's death and i'm not going to sit here and pretend that this is going to be an okay story like this is bad this is really bad i'm not going to go into too much detail about their deaths but even like the circumstances leading up to and around it are just awful. They're awful. When I was writing my notes, I actually had trouble remembering that Judith is a young child. Mm. And I think it's because she's an actress. And so you hear like details about her working career that it's just so hard to forget that she's, you know, a maximum of 10. Right. And I think at that, like, any one time you hear about like her career and her achievements and stuff. And you think, wow. Like, and she was a really smart kid. Yeah. And then you see a photo of her and you're just like, oh, wow. 
She like was, she's tiny. She's a small child. Yeah. And I think like when you bring yourself back to the fact that she's a small child, when you're hearing about all these things, it's just like horrifying all over again. Mm. So I guess before we talk about when things started going wrong for Judith, I might give some backstory first. Mm-hmm. Ease us into this one because personally I need it. Uh, so Judith's parents were Maria and Joseph Barsi. They had both separately fled Hungary after the 1956 Soviet altercation. And I'm not even going to pretend to be aware of political issues from that part of the world in the 1950s. So I'm not even, I'm not even going to attempt to explain what that was. Mm. Anyway, uh, Joseph initially went to France where he married a woman named Clara and they had two children together. They moved as a family to Arizona, but not long after the marriage didn't work out and Joseph ended up moving to LA. This is where he met Maria at a bar where she worked. Hmm. They, uh, you know, fell in love and got married in 1977. However, the relationship did have some issues, but they weren't serious ones. Maria was from a well-off, so not rich, but not, you know, they were comfortable. Mm. So her family was pretty well-off, whereas Joseph had been the exact opposite. He had a tough upbringing where he was bullied relentlessly in school for being poor. So they had a lot of differing expectations about money. Right. Which, I don't know, I personally don't think is like a deal breaker. A lot of people have different backgrounds. Mm, Absolutely. It's not like unusual or like something that I think would end the relationship or anything like that. It was just something that was noted in everything that I read. Right. So Maria was keen to start a family when she met Joseph. So it wasn't too long after the wedding that she fell pregnant with Judith. She was born Judith Eva Barsi on June 6, 1978. And people always described her as a kind-hearted, sweet little girl whose favorite colors were pink and purple. Bless mine too. I know. If, if you're an 80s kid... Like me, you probably remember some of her favorite toys because she loved Cabbage Patch Kids. I definitely had one of those. The Smurfs and Care Bears. Oh, <gasps> I boy. loved Care Bears so Same, much. Same, I had one. <laughs> oh, 10 out of 10. So her neighbors even went as far to say that she had the manners of an angel. <sighs> so the other thing was that Maria had always wanted to be famous. By this point, she kind of felt like she'd kind of missed her chance. You know, like she's a wife, she's a mother, and she had those responsibilities as her main focus. Mm. And Joseph actually wanted Maria to be a housewife. He wanted to be the breadwinner. I'm pretty sure he was a plumber. And Maria was pretty happy to do that. She enjoyed spending time looking after Judith. So it all just kind of worked out. Right. But because Maria was at home with Judith all the time, Maria started to coach her to be an actress when she got old enough. Okay. She was giving her like little lessons at home when she was like four or five on how to, you know, be an actress, which I think is kind of funny. And I don't, I don't want people to get the wrong idea here. I don't think that Maria was deliberately grooming her to be rich and famous or anything. I literally think it was a bit of a game that Judith actually enjoyed. Right. Okay. So she wasn't being forced into it or anything like that. And from all accounts that I read, she actually loved doing it. Right. So it was just more something that they like would bond over. Exactly. And I can imagine that like being at home, pretending you're an actress, like that'd totally be a game that kids would get into, especially like a little girl. Mm, Absolutely. So even though Maria was already teaching her to be a star, I'm sure that Maria could never have planned when Judith got her big break because it happened so quickly. When Judith was five, her and Maria were at an ice skating rink where a commercial was being filmed. One of the people working on that commercial spotted Judith and thought that she'd be perfect for another commercial that they were doing. And 
Judas got an agent within one or two days after that happening. Wow. It was just, it was like that. Do you know what I mean? Like it yeah, like instant. happened so quickly. So the commercial that Judas was hired for was Donald Duck Orange Juice, which I sadly remember. (laughs) (laughs) And they loved her performance so much that she was invited back multiple times to shoot commercials for the same brand. Okay. They loved her, basically. And when you, you, if you Google the ads, she is so cute. Like, I get it. And I guess that's another thing, even when you're looking at her, sometimes it's hard to remember how young she is because she speaks so well. Right. It's almost like, yeah, she's smarter than her age, if that makes sense. Oh. So Judith landed more commercials. And when I say more, she ended up doing over 70 of them. Oh, hell yeah. That's a lot. (laughs) And then started to land more substantial roles in TV and movies. So by the time she was about seven, Judith was earning over $100,000 a year. Hell yeah. Which, jealous, honestly. Same. (laughs) Uh, Which meant that the family could move from their small LA apartment to a nice house in a nice suburb. Which, get it, Judith, honestly. Right, I can't imagine what that would feel like. But, like, for Judith and her mum. Yeah. Just this cool little thing that they bond over and then suddenly she's just a sensation. Yeah, exactly. One of the reasons that Judith was so popular to get booked for children's roles was that... Even though she was already a very young child, she looked even younger. Mm, she did look very young. If they wanted to hire like a three-year-old for a role, they would hire Judith instead because even though she was only a couple of years older, obviously in that time you have more of a mental capacity, have more understanding of what's happening, all of that kind of thing. Mm. So that was like one of the main reasons why they kept hiring her for the same kind of young children roles because she just looks so little. She was a small bean. She really was. Like even when you look at pictures, she's so tiny. The three roles that she's probably best known for are Jaws of Revenge, which I've never seen because I live in Australia and I don't need any more fear of sharks. (laughs) (laughs) And the other two movies were one that she was a voice actor on. So even if you don't know Judith by name or even looking at her, you've probably heard her voice before because these two movies were so popular when I was a kid. Um, So those were The Land Before Time, where she voiced Ducky, and All Dogs Go to Heaven, where she voiced Anne-Marie. I think All Dogs Go to Heaven fucked me up as a kid. It's so fucking sad. I never watched that. I don't know. We never watched it when I was a kid, but then I went to watch it and I was given a very stern, it's probably not something you want to watch. So I didn't. <laughs> it's just, it's so sad. It's, I mean, it's about dead dogs. Come on. Yeah. I don't, I don't need that in my life. I, I don't. But I mean, if you do go back and watch it, her performance is so like emotionally mature that it's weird that she's that young. I think eight or something at the time mm. or nine. Yeah. She was definitely very talented. And so the same guy actually made The Land Before Time and All Dogs Go to Heaven. So that was like the reason that he rehired her. Right. And he even said, you know, after what happened happened, that he was planning to hire her for many more projects because she was so good. Dang. Yeah. I wish I was talented. Same. <laughs> <laughs> so all of this stuff sounds like it's going great. Yeah. Right? She's already turning into a huge success and earning money that could support her entire family. But unfortunately for Judith – There were other parts of her life that were not going as well. I guess the main issue was her father, Joseph. He was becoming very bitter and angry and jealous of her success. Right. And I guess because in his mind, he had this vision of a family unit where he would be the breadwinner. 
Yeah. And then she was out earning him by a lot. Mm. That is no excuse, by the way. Who the hell is jealous of their child's success? Wouldn't you just be happy for them? And it's not like, you know, Judith was keeping, like they weren't keeping the money just for Judith. It was supporting the entire family. Like they were all benefiting of her success. Yeah, absolutely. It, It just seems really weird to me that he would be so angry about it. Yeah, it's strange. Yeah. Um, So one example of this that was recounted by neighbors later um, was a time when Judith and Maria were out in the garden. Judith was playing with a kite and Joseph comes outside and just starts pulling the kite down. Like there was no words exchanged, no nothing. It was weird. It's rude. And Judith starts to get upset because she's worried that he's being too rough with it. And she says like, stop, you're going to break it. Hmm. Joseph then makes a comment to Maria that Judith is getting too spoiled and she won't share her toys with anyone. So to teach her a lesson, he breaks it in front of her. Um, I'm pretty sure that's not how you should teach your children a lesson. No, like it's just some people might look at that and go, oh, such a small thing. It's just a toy or whatever. But it really is like that emotional manipulation. Yeah, that's it. And like that, although it's like such a small thing, it would have meant so much to her, that kite. Exactly. Which is such a dicky move. And, like, she wasn't doing anything wrong. Right, she's just playing. Playing in the garden like a kid. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. So people um, speculate that maybe he was angry because she was being loud or something. I'm like, it's a kid in the yard. I don't know what you expect. Mm. (laughs) I really do think it highlights, like, that emotional, yeah, emotional manipulation where it's like, well, you haven't actually done anything wrong. We're going to make you believe that you have, which is... So fucked up, especially on like a little, like a little child. Like it's just, yeah. Right. And especially since that's a kite that she probably would have bought with her own damn money. Yeah, exactly. Joseph's behavior was getting worse over time and he had started to drink more. So I got to a point where he had gotten a few uh, DUIs. Good. And he would just go out drinking regularly, come home and take out his anger on Maria and Judith. Although at this time it was more Maria. (sighs) Maria was getting the brunt of his aggression. And, I mean, at this point, he's not getting violent. He would just sort of scream at Maria, you know, make her feel bad, like be very mentally abusive to her. Right. And Maria was genuinely scared of Joseph as soon as he started acting this way because he hadn't been acting that way before. Like, this was new behavior. Right. You know who had seen him act this way before, though? Uh Uh-oh. His ex-wife, Clara. Dang. Clara and Joseph had two kids together. And after they had left France, they moved to New York for a bit. And that's when their relationship started to become abusive. But it was like the kind of abuse that was so gradual that Clara didn't actually really realize it was happening. Right. Just like little jabs here and there, but like enough space that you can kind of forget about them. Exactly. So like he knew what he was doing. He, He knew how manipulative he was being. And it was sort of like so deliberate to make her stay essentially yeah but still be able to be an asshole fuck that sucks she didn't really react to any of it until he started to make threats that he would burn the house down with everyone inside it Woo. which i'm like whoa okay no (laughs) settle down there joseph yeah exactly so once he started saying that clara decided to leave him and moved with her two two children to arizona joseph just followed them fair enough 
But no, like, I mean, you know, you know that she's moved your children away from you because she's afraid you'll do something to them. And then you just follow them. Right. It's like when you're in high school and, like, you have your group of friends and then suddenly you just don't like someone and so you just move where you're sitting and they just follow you. Like, it's the extreme version. Yeah. <laughs> but it's I mean, we're talking about crossing state lines here, but yeah, yeah. Same, same vibe. Take a hint, Joseph. We don't like you. You can't sit with us. <laughs> Exactly. But yeah, he followed them to Arizona and begged for Clara to take him back. And she said no, which Fair. I totally get. 100%. So when she refused, he got violent, which seems like, you know, a reaction, I guess. And he threw a cast iron pan at her face. Ah, uh, rude. Cast iron's pretty heavy. I do not imagine this was a good time because it left her face with severe bruising. Yeah. I say it wasn't a good time. That was being sarcastic. Of course, it wasn't a good time. Goddamn. After this incident, Joseph finally accepted that they weren't getting back together and he decided to move to LA and reinvent himself, which I'm like, yeah, okay, cool. Totally abandon your children, I guess. Thanks for finally getting the hint after you just like smashing my face in with a cast iron skillet, but cool. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, in my mind, I'm like, okay, so Clara doesn't want to be with you and that's fair enough because you've said some really shitty things. Well, I mean, that's so underplaying it. He threatened their lives. You also just left and didn't give a shit about your kids anymore. Mm. Just because you're not living with them doesn't mean that you can't be in their life. Yeah, absolutely. Or like try and be a better father. No, no, no. Just just going to move to LA and reinvent himself. Cool. And honestly, he reinvented himself into a bit of a douche, if you ask me. He was just one of those people that like flashed money around, Ugh. like was very confident and loud. Um, but... Maria actually kind of liked that, so Damn. that's how they met and got together. I hate those people. Mm. So back to his relationship with Maria. Mm-hmm. He was pretty much repeating the exact same pattern with her. Good. Yeah. So when he started to suspect that perhaps Maria was thinking about leaving, he took Maria into the garage and showed her an extensive collection of jerry cans filled with gasoline and told her that if she ever tried to leave, he would burn the house down with them in it. Fuck's sake. Just like he had done with Clara before. <sighs> that's such bullshit. Like, and that's such, that's, uh, that's such emotional and mental manipulation. Mm. It's such a dick move. Yeah. I, I mean, obviously it's, it's terrible. Like, and I think, you know, I think a lot of people look at this and think, oh, Maria should have just left. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, I guess that's cool to say or whatever, especially when you compare it to Clara, who did just leave. But not everyone's the same. Not everyone reacts to that kind of abuse the same way. Right. Where, you know, some people might go, oh, my God, I need to get out. I will leave. I will do anything to leave. Mm. Instead, Maria's afraid that he's going to kill Judith if she does that. And plus, not everyone has the resources. Exactly. Thinking about, for some people, if they leave, where do they go? They don't have family or friends that are in the immediate vicinity that they can take safe haven to. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, that's kind of not the case with this one because Judith had money. So they could have, they could have financially just left. But I guess what I'm talking more about is like the emotional impact. Mm. Not everyone reacts the same way. Um, Some people, you know, can't emotionally wrap their heads around. And that's not to say, I feel like in a way it sounds like I'm saying that's weak. It's not. Right. It's just the way that you react and that's fine. Mm. I'm not into victim blaming is basically what I'm saying is that I'm never going to blame Rhea for any of this. Yeah. It's a lot of like also the fight and flight response. Like you just don't know how mm. that's going to kick in and you don't you know. You don't know how you're going to react until you're in that situation. 
Right, and you don't know the extenuating circumstances mm. around what is also happening. It's all well and good to for a lot of people to be like, oh, well, I would just leave. Yeah. But you never know how that fight and refl- like fight or flight response will kick in. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, like you said, just some people just it takes more of a toll emotionally and mentally for people to leave, especially when there's a child involved because you yeah. know, mother's instinct would be like, oh, well, I just need to make sure that my child is is safe. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, I think that everyone's just different with how they react to things like that, and that's fine you know that's just Mm. being human we all react to things differently absolutely so you know on on top of this whole jerry can situation um he would also threaten to kill them all regularly he even threatened to kill judith and then himself to leave maria alive to live with it forever this guy is the worst um he's making it so that she's so afraid to do anything Mm. for fear of you know judith's life her own life and their actual life if that makes sense yeah. Because they're quite comfortable at this point. Yeah. I kind of get it. There is a part of me that's like, I wish she would have just left. But also, who knows what would have happened if she did? Well, that's it. Yeah. I mean, if he's threatening that he'll kill himself and Judith if she- mm. anything happens, what's to say that, you know, I think in those situations, you just think of, you could possibly think of every worst scenario. And because he's saying it, it doesn't become so far-fetched. Yeah, exactly. Mm, sad though. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I think one of the weird things about this case though is that Maria was not at all secretive about what was going on in their relationship. Right. She would tell her friends about how Joseph treated her and Judith all the time. And no one really took it too seriously. And I think the reason for that was the way that she would say it. Like she would say it so flippantly that no one was really sure if it was actually what was happening if it was a joke if it was bothering her no one really knew and i totally get this because i do this all the time where i'll like say something super serious but i'll say it in a way that's like a joke even though Mm. it's true (laughs) yeah no one knew really what to think about it dang so in december of 1986 maria made her first police report against joseph okay the police came to the house and maria told them that joseph had become physically abusive um that he had punched her and tried to strangle her however the police weren't much help because they were reluctant to do anything about the report because there was a lack of evidence. Because of that, Maria ended up dropping the charges and didn't pursue it. That's rough. You're going to see as we continue to go on that there are so many attempts made and none of it works out. Mm. It's just so frustrating. Because there are like so many opportunities for something to change and it doesn't. It's just so yeah. frustrating. If one person acted just that little bit differently or took something a yeah. little bit more seriously. Yeah, exactly. So during this time, Joseph had apparently quit drinking. Oh, okay. Which I'm like, okay. Um, And that was only because of the multiple DUIs. He didn't want to get arrested again. Completely self-serving then. Yeah, exactly. Um, But it didn't change the abuse at all. If anything, it was only escalating. And he was now starting to turn his attention towards Judith. No. So Judith had also not been quiet at all about Joseph's treatment of her. I don't think anyone told Judith that it was meant to be a secret. Right. I don't think anyone had told her to not talk about it, so she just did all the time. Um, which she's a. I, I know that she's an actress and has a job and is making money and all this other stuff, but she's still a child. Mm. Still has a child's brain. Yeah. She had told friends on multiple occasions that Joseph had given her a bloody nose. So there's one incident in particular where Joseph had grabbed Judith by the hair and then thrown her into the ground. So like got her little ponytail and just smashed her face into the ground. 
Jesus Christ. He later, after that incident, bought her a pink TV to go in her bedroom to say sorry for making her nose bleed again. Oh, that's so manipulative. And yeah, that's exactly what he is. He's so manipulative. It's just, it makes me so angry. God damn it. So in 1987, Judith was packing as her and Maria were traveling to the Bahamas to film Jaws the Revenge. So as she was packing, so she's packing up a little suitcase in her bedroom. Joseph comes in, closes the door. And holds a knife to her throat. I think we should keep in mind that she's only about nine at this point. Yeah. And threatens her that if they don't come back from filming the movie, he'd find her and cut her throat. Jesus Christ. What kind of man does that? Not only to their own daughter, but their own daughter who's like nine years old. A piece of shit is who. Well, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the answer. But what the fuck? Like, I... Even when I read that example, I was like, what the like, what the actual fuck? Like, I don't, I just don't understand. That is such bullshit. <sighs> it's only going to get rougher from here, guys. I'm so sorry. <sighs> so while they were on set, Maria started making friends with some of the other women that were there. And she eventually opens up to them about Joseph, how he treats her and Judith, and how she's scared to go back home. They convince her multiple times to just take Judith Like, you know, they've got suitcases full of clothes. Just take that, go somewhere else and start a new life. Mm -hmm. Don't, don't even, don't even speak to Joseph again. That's it. The end. And Maria would always say yes at the time, but then the next day she would just start talking about how she had to go back to Joseph. (sighs) I I feel like that's clear evidence of someone who's like so manipulated and so Mm. scared that even though they want to leave, they, they feel like they can't. Oh, absolutely. And so after this happens a few times, the people she's made friends with on the set just accept that she's going back to Joseph and there's nothing they can say that's going to make her f- do anything differently. And it gets to a point where they almost feel like she's just saying this stuff for attention, mm. um, which is really harsh. But also I do kind of feel like I've known those people before mm. <laughs> that will say things over and over again never actually do anything to change it because they just like the attention they get, like the sympathy from people. Mm. It was obviously not the case in this example, which is so sad. I, maybe they didn't realize how serious the situation actually was. I mean, I don't know exactly what details Maria had told them. Most of the things I read were about how they were like, oh, we just thought she was saying it for attention. It was a bit of like a boy who cried wolf situation. <sighs> it sucks though. Cause like, I don't know. It's, it's hard to – like, I've definitely known people that have cried wolf. Like, not to this extent. No. I don't know. I just feel like with domestic violence cases, you should always just it's, – It's just better to do something than not yeah, do something, you know? exactly. And I, I feel like sometimes people always talk about, oh, you know, there are the people that, like, make things up to um, strengthen their custody cases or, like, stuff like that. And I'm going to tell you right now that it's so few and far between mm. that – I would rather people try to do something than not do anything and have it be a serious situation and then something horrible happening. Yeah, absolutely. Than it being proven that it was false. I I don't know. That's just the way I feel. Absolutely. So after the filming wrapped up for Jaws of Revenge, Maria decided to visit her brother who she hadn't seen in years um, and he lived in New York. So it was kind of like on the way home. When Joseph found out that she had done that, it's safe to say that he was really not happy about the situation. He called Maria's brother's house and asked to speak to Judith. Oh, no. He reminded her about what he said was going to happen if they didn't come back. At this point, Judith ends up fessing up and telling Maria everything that happened. And the next day they leave New York and return to Joseph. God damn it. Like, there's just, there's so many, like, knowing this story, there's just so many stops along the way that had there been just 
someone to intervene, things yeah. could have played out so differently. Yeah, exactly. And there's just so many um, people, especially like there's so many people that knew something was going on, but didn't, I guess maybe didn't quite understand what was happening. It's no one does anything about it. It's so frustrating. Mm. I probably can say that a, a few more times because it truly is so frustrating. So by this point, Joseph wasn't even pretending that he was happy in his relationship, Maria. You're, you're, you're scaring her, you're manipulating her, but you don't actually really want her that much. It's just, it's so bad. He was regularly having affairs, even having other women who he referred to as his girlfriend. But none of that stopped the threats of killing Maria and Judith if they left, though. What a piece of shit. And it was a bit of a, like, if I can't have you, no one will kind of situation. Mm, yeah. This inspired Maria to come up with a plan. So she decided that she was just going to stop looking after herself or the house. Which, honestly, I kind of feel like is genius in a yeah, weird way. absolutely. Um, so she wouldn't wear makeup. She wouldn't dress nicely. She stopped cleaning the house. Um, she figured that if things got bad enough, maybe Joseph would just get sick of it and leave her willingly mm-hmm. to go and be with one of his other girlfriends. But, unfortunately, it didn't work. God damn it. The plan, I think, is good. It's it's sound. It has logic to it. Yeah. But I don't think that Joseph was keeping Maria because she looked nice. Yeah. I think he was keeping her because he liked having power over someone. Yeah. It's just he can control her, essentially. Exactly. Like, she's his. It's not that, you know, she's she's not a person in his eyes. It's no. property. Yeah, exactly. It's, you know, that she was there for whatever he wanted. Right. If he said to jump, she, would, she wouldn't even ask how high. She would just keep going. Exactly. Essentially. That's sad. Yeah. So Judith is around 9 or 10 at this point, and she starts showing signs that this whole situation is really severely affecting her. And that started to show physically. Oh, no. She had started to gain weight. And this is one that makes me so uncomfortable. Um, she was pulling out her eyelashes Oh, that no. makes my eyes feel weird just thinking about it. But she was also pulling the whiskers out of her cats as well. Oh, sweetness! This is definitely like a eyelash thing. It's it very it rings very close to like trichotillomania. Yeah, I actually think I did read in one source that she was pulling out her hair, but I couldn't confirm it, so I didn't include it. Mm. But I definitely think it was something like that. During an audition for All Dogs Go to Heaven, she just broke down crying for no reason. So she was crying so uncontrollably that she couldn't even speak. And her agent was there and said that nothing had happened. Like there was nothing caused that outburst. It just happened. So this is when her agent realized that there's something going on. Like she had noticed that Judith had gained some weight. And she'd also noticed that when they would wait for auditions, like when they were in the waiting room, she would pull on her eyelashes. Sweetness. She decided to make an appointment for Judith with a child psychologist. I kind of love that the agent just had the power to do that. I would assume, I mean, I don't know too much about Hollywood laws because honestly, I'm not really into Hollywood or anything, but I assume that there are laws around child actors, like, you know, how much they can work, yeah, their mental well-being, all that kind of stuff. I'm surprised they had it in like the 80s, but. Yeah, because I think now like children can only work like four hours or something, something like that. Which makes sense, like they're children. Right. And four hours really in a child's world is a very long time, but. Yeah. Oh, poor bugger. So it only took one appointment for the psychologist to figure out that Judith was being mentally and physically abused, and they called Child Protective Services. Good. Good on them. I don't like when you do that. (laughs) I'm sorry. It's just, I think it's because I know that this isn't going to go well. Right. Um, CPS did interview Maria, and she does tell them the truth. She does 
fess up, tells them what's happening with Joseph. But she also tells them that she has the situation under control. She tells them that she's planning to divorce Joseph. And she told them that she already had an apartment ready for her and Judith to move into, which was actually true. Maria had organized an apartment in Panorama City that she'd been renting for a couple of weeks. And Maria had been taking Judith there during the day. And then they would go home in the evening. So they'd just, you know, tell Joseph that Judith had work stuff to do or whatever. Right. And okay. then bring her back in the evening. I guess she was trying to give Judith, like, some reprieve from yeah, how awful leave. it was at home. Yeah. So CPS believed everything Maria said and they dropped Judith's case. Dang it. So it wasn't even like they put it on the back burner and were like, okay, we'll check in with these people later. They just dropped it entirely. <sighs> See what I mean? Like, there's just so many instances. Yeah. Where if something was just different, it'd be A-OK. So frustrating. There was a lot of a debate as to whether the CPS worker should have done that. And, you know, in hindsight, you know that something bad happens. You think, oh, my God, if they just hadn't have done that, then everything would be OK. But they obviously didn't have that knowledge. Mm. At the time, the maximum number of cases that were meant to, like a CPS worker was meant to have was 50. Right. And the one that was assigned to Judith was currently working on 67. Oof. So obviously hearing that the family already had a plan to get Judith to safety meant that they could knock one case off their already high workload. Yeah. Do I think that they should have checked back later? Probably. Mm, But I also get that when you're like so overworked and have no time to spend on all of these cases that, you know, I also don't think that they could have ever predicted what would eventually happen. Right. Yeah. I just, I don't think what happens is ever on somebody's mind of this is a possibility. Exactly. And, I mean, most people don't walk around thinking that something horrible is going to happen for people. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's not usually the first guess. Exactly. Yeah, I can't – I understand, but I also think that it is a little bit on CPS because, well, if they had too much work, they should have hired other people. Mm. Like, the CPS worker should never have been that overworked to begin with. I just don't think it's that particular CPS worker's fault. Right. I think, yeah, I think it's just the processes that were in place mm. at the time were not up to, to standard. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I think it was more overall CPS should have done more. Yeah. Not that particular worker, if that makes sense. The agency itself. The agency and the entity, not exactly. the worker. They should have looked after their workers better and therefore that would have meant that they had time to spend exactly. more time on Judas' case. Yeah, absolutely. And like other ch- other children and other cases. Exactly. I think that still carries on to now. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think it's all just a case of being overworked, underpaid. Exactly. Just another government agency that just doesn't, you know, put in the resources. Everyone in Maria's life was encouraging her to follow through with the plan that she had. So she was fully intending to do what she had told the CPS worker. Um, She was planning to divorce Joseph and she was planning to move into that apartment with Judith eventually. Maria had started to pack up some stuff from their house and take it to the new apartment, but she was trying to not move so much stuff that Joseph would start to notice. Mm, Yeah. So it was very on the sly. On July 10th, 1988, Maria packs up some stuff into her car and drives it over to the new apartment. But unfortunately, she's completely unaware that Joseph is following her. Feck. When she gets to the apartment, Joseph confronts her and he's like, what the fuck are you doing? What are these boxes? What is happening? And Maria tells him that she's helping a friend move. Okay, yep. Thinking quick on your feet there, Mm because I don't know if I would have. He actually believes her. And even though he believes that she's just helping a friend move, Maria starts to second guess the entire plan. Right. Because he now knows the apartment 
if they go missing, he's probably going to go there. Yeah, she's rattled. Yeah, she's just really second-guessing the entire plan. She's now like, well, it's ruined. I don't know if I, we can get away with this. And like a lot of her family and friends were like, just get a different apartment. <laughs> just move to another one. But she's, yeah, she's rattled. Like she can't, I, I guess, you know, you never really quite know how you're going to react until you're actually in that headspace. But I think she was just like, I don't know. It kind of seems like anything I do, he's going to find out about it. All of that right. kind of stuff. Like she's just moving boxes at this point and he yeah. know, like he's found her. If she leaves, I guess another point of thingy would be, like another thought process would be, okay, if we leave, Judith still has to work and she still has to do mm. these things. So he wouldn't he just go there and then tail them to the new yeah. apartment? Exactly. And so this is another thing that people kind of criticize Maria for. I mean, I don't know that I – I don't think this would be my thought process, but I'm not Maria and – Honestly, Maria didn't do anything wrong, so I'm not going to blame her for thinking this way. But she also started to feel like it was really unfair that she had to leave. Which I kind of understand. I get it too. I think in my mind, I I guess just because of the kind of person that I am, I don't really care too much about possessions or money mm. or anything like that. So I think that I would probably, again, this is all speculation because I've never been in that situation. So I don't know what I would do, but logically thinking about it right now in this in this time where I don't have to go through this, I would think that I would just be like, fuck it, who cares? Let's get out. Yeah, start fresh. I wonder if it's a case, though, of, like, this has been happening for so long and she's been scared for so long and now she's kind of at the point where she's, like, just pissed about it. And she's like, Mm. fuck, Joseph. This is my (laughs) house. Why the fuck should I be scared of you? If you have a problem, you should leave. You know, like, and taking that side of it now, like. Yeah. I mean, the other side of this is that Judith paid for that house. Right. Joseph didn't. Fuck so why should Joseph. he get it? Take your plumber's crack somewhere else. <laughs> I mean, exactly. Like, why should he be allowed to reap the rewards of something that he's been abusing? Mm, absolutely. I so I kind of I get how that thought process would happen because I'd be angry too. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like, for sure. But it is something that people like to criticize Maria for. I. Like, Judith and Maria are the victims in this situation, so I'm not going to blame them for anything. They haven't done Mm. anything wrong. So, on one hand, it's like, why should they have to leave their house when they haven't done anything wrong? But, you know, I guess there's the other side of, well, if you, you know, don't want anything bad to happen, then maybe you should just leave. Yeah, I don't know. I think I, like, it's probably not something that I would do. But again, I haven't been in that situation. Exactly. I don't think I'd want to stay there. But I can under- I can almost understand or try to understand some of the reasoning why yeah. she would want to stay. I've stayed in really shitty relationships that I knew that I should have left, but I stayed. Mm. Obviously, nothing anywhere near this extreme. But also, it wasn't that extreme and I already felt like I shouldn't leave. So Exactly, yeah. You know, you just, you don't know. You don't know how you're going to think until you're in the situation. Well, that's it. And I think once you're put in, like you said, like I haven't been in this situation, but I've been in really horrible relationships. You get to a point where you're not thinking about anything Mm. other than just almost surviving, like, and getting through the day. Yeah, exactly. And it's almost like once you're in the situation, you can't imagine life outside of it. Mm, Tunnel vision. It gets weird. Yeah. And that's not, yeah, that's like nothing. It pales in comparison to this. So I can't imagine. I can't, I I just can't imagine. It seems like even up until this point, people in their lives still aren't taking what they're saying seriously, which is so frustrating. Mm. Judith was spending a lot of time at a family friend's house. 
So the family friends were a couple that Marie and Joseph knew, and Judas would just go to their house for hours every day. So I think what was happening is, because I don't have anything like specifically from those people, but I think what was happening is that they knew something was wrong, but they didn't know exactly what. So Mm. they just let Judas spend time away from the situation. Yeah. But apparently Judas did repeatedly tell them in July of 1988 that her dad was always threatening to kill her mum and they didn't do anything. I do wonder too, like, what the mindset was back then for those situations. Like, That's another thing. You know, I guess, what was this, 30, 40 years ago at this point? Mm. And even though that's not a long time, attitudes have definitely changed towards domestic violence and, like, violence against women and all those kind of things. Right. It's really sad to say, but they were more acceptable in the past. Well, that's it. I mean, you only have to look to, like, the 50s and 60s where it was expected for a woman to stay home and cook and clean and, you know, have dinner on the table for Mm. when the husband comes home. So, like, you know, it. It's not wild to think that just that short of a time attitudes about domestic violence would have yeah. been different. And also, like, knowing resources. Like, now, you know, we have so that, many yeah. True. resources that are so readily available and so much lobbying goes on to make it known that those resources are available for whether it's a victim or people that have seen domestic violence. I mean, we say this. We say, like, you know, there's more awareness, there's more services, there's more all of this. But still – horrible things happen. I don't know Mm. if you remember, it wasn't that long ago, where that guy, I think he was a football player, set fire to um, the car of his ex and their two kids Mm. and killed them. That was like last year. It's not wild to think that people just either assumed that somebody else was going to take care of it or that, oh, okay, maybe this is slightly exaggerated or how do I even help? Like, I don't understand what can I do other than give yeah, Judith exactly. a few hours of relief every day. Which is so sad to think that people might have been in that position where they knew but felt like they couldn't do anything about it. Mm. For all the things I read, apparently neighbours did offer to hide Maria and Judith. Yeah. But Maria never took them up on their offer. I don't know if these people in particular were a part of that, but I did read that. Dang. So the same actually went for Joseph's friends as well. Joseph would apparently tell them all the time that he was going to kill Maria one day. One of his friends that he worked with said that he would try and calm Joseph down whenever he would say things like that. And he would try to sort of appeal to, I guess, the father in him. And he would say, like, but if you kill Maria, like, what's going to happen to Judith? And Joseph would just say, well, i got to kill her too, I guess. <sighs> Fuck, that's heavy. I can't imagine, like, any of my friends ever saying something like that. No, and I've, I've got to admit, if anyone ever said anything like that to me, I'd be calling the police straight away. Right. I, again, a different time, and I have a true crime brain now, but still. <laughs> right. Like, I'm sorry, but if you ever, like, if we ever sat down at the pub and you were just like, you know what, I'm going to knock knock off CJ, <laughs> I wouldn't be like, all right, well, let me just buy you another round. Yeah, like, exactly. Oh, okay. Like, yeah. what the fuck? Um, I'm just going to go over here and make a phone call real quick. <laughs> <laughs> and you absolutely should. That's the thing. Like, I feel like I would rather people overact than underact because the underacting part has such serious consequences. Mm, absolutely. You know? I don't know. Although I guess, like, I also kind of get the other side of it at the same time because you wouldn't ever think that your friend would actually do that. Right. That maybe you think they're just saying it out of anger. 
Yeah, I guess he would be a completely different person to his friends as well. I mean, I once had a time at work where one of the guys that I worked with was so angry at um, one of the girls that I worked with. They actually sent her an email expressing his anger. And most of it was actually quite polite. But the last the last little bit, he said, um, sometimes I could just kill you. Yee. Obviously, he didn't mean literally killing her. Right. Still a red flag. But he got fired over it. Um, which he absolutely should. You cannot say that kind of thing, especially in a professional setting. No. But like, um, he didn't. He didn't mean it like that. And I know that he didn't mean it like that. Like, I. It's just the way you say things, I guess. Right. I mean, you can't in an email be like, "I sometimes I could just kill you." Kind regards, John yeah. Smith. You know. <laughs> exactly. But like, I mean, I, I'm sure people have said like you've heard people say that before. Oh, like, 100%. oh, I, I could have just killed you. Like, they don't mean it like that. Mm. But can't put that in writing either. I just bring their neck. <laughs> Exactly. It was more in, in that kind of way. So, I don't know, maybe they were thinking that that was the sort of sentiment. That was what was going on. Yeah. But I don't know. If if someone kept saying it to me, I might take it a bit seriously. Right. Especially when they're like, well, you know, I, what would happen to your your child? Oh, you know, I just probably have to kill them too. Yeah. I think, I think the response <laughs> is the thing that would be like, oh, fuck, something is going on here. Interesting response, Joseph. Uh, BRB, <laughs> do you have a penny yeah. for the, the payphone? Yeah, exactly. So this, it kind of seems everyone knew something was going on because everyone was telling them and that people were concerned, but it was just all kind of put down to like an exaggeration or an empty threat out of anger. Right. Which, you know. Sucks. Unfortunately, it wasn't an empty threat at all. Oh, dang it. This, this, this is where it gets really bad, so prepare yourself. On July 25th in 1988, the usual nighttime r- routine was carried out. So Maria put Judith to bed and then went to bed herself while Joseph was in the living room drinking and watching TV. Apparently that was what happened every night. However, that night, Joseph waited until he was sure both of them were asleep before he went into the closet in his room and pulled out a 32 caliber pistol. With the pistol in hand, he goes into Judith's room. This no. is so bad. This is so bad. I'm so sorry. Judith was sound asleep as her father crept into her room. He pointed the gun at her head and shot her at point blank range and she died instantly. You know what? Like as hard as this is to say and as hard as hard as it is to fathom, I'm glad that she was asleep. And And didn't know what was happening. uh, Yeah. And it was an instant because I couldn't imagine had she been awake or being startled or had some form of consciousness to go through that. Yeah, like there was no time to panic or be scared or any exactly. of that. Exactly, yeah. You know. So Maria is woken by the gunshot. Of course. And immediately knows that something is wrong. She jumps out of bed and she runs into the hallway. Joseph's already out of Judas' room and he's making his way to Maria. So they meet in the hallway. There's some kind of struggle. And I guess whether she was trying to get by him to get to Judas or whether she was just struggling to get away from him. We'll mm. never know because he manages to get Maria on the ground and shoots her in the head as well, instantly killing her. Jesus. It's just so bad. Fucking hell. What a cunt. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know what else I can say, but obviously he's a terrible human being. Mm. And I think what happens next kind of makes it even worse because for the next two days, Joseph just lives his life like nothing happened. That's so gross. He doesn't report the crime and he just leaves Maria and Judith's body exactly where they died. He doesn't move them. 
That's so bizarre, like, and so icky. It's weird to me because I'm sure he probably walked up and down that hallway in the very least. Like, you, you could probably avoid Judas' room, but... Yeah, I feel like hallway. he had to use the hallway. Mm. And so he would have been stepping over her body. It's, it's so, so bizarre. Yeah, it's... it's I don't know. It's off. It's just, it's, it's off. Just, it's terrible. So the morning after Judith was meant to be at a recording session for All Dogs Go to Heaven, and when she didn't turn up, her, her agent called the house. Joseph answers the phone, and he tells the agent that they had both, both Maria and Judith had gotten into a black car that morning, and he has no idea where they went. Because, you, you know, know, I just can't imagine him to be believable at that point. Here's this guy that has threatened his wife and his daughter multiple times and you're just saying that you let them go into a strange black car and you're fine with that. Like you. I mean, also the agent knows something's going on because they're the ones that have called the child psychologist. Mm, exactly. It's weird because he even tells the agent that he didn't live in the house anymore and that he had only come back that morning to say goodbye to Judith. Weird. I don't know why he told her that. I mean, maybe he was trying to make himself sound more believable and that he wasn't, like, really involved. Mm. But it just sort of seems like a really weird detail to make up. Yeah. On the 27th of July, 1988, so this is two days after um, they've been murdered, one of their neighbors named Eunice. I love that name. I know, it's so great. Was out watering her garden when she heard a loud bang coming from the Barsi house. So she lived next door, I think. Um, she immediately calls 911, and by the time she's finished the call, she notices that smoke is coming out of all of the windows in the house. Uh-oh. Eunice decides that she's going to try and put the fire out with her garden hose. Hell yeah, it's get like, there, Eunice. Yeah, Eunice, go you. Like, I don't know if I would do that. Eunice to the rescue. <laughs> yeah, just pulls her garden hose over to their yard and starts, like, hosing the house down. I wonder if she had a hose link. Ooh, maybe. <laughs> don't know if they existed in the 80s. But. No, I don't think so either. <laughs> Bless her. But yeah, like, honestly, Eunice, what a good person. Right. So the fire brigade does arrive a short time later and they put the fire out. When they go inside, they do find three dead bodies. <sighs> so evidence at the crime scene indicated that the fire was deliberately lit with gasoline, as if we didn't already know that. Mm-hmm. But they found residue on all of the bodies. So he had doused all of them with gasoline first. Yeah. The loud bang that Eunice heard was actually a gunshot, and it was the gunshot that Yosef died from. Damn it. He had shot himself in the garage with the same pistol he used on Maria and Judith. <sighs> what a cock. Those two days. I think those that, that's what is really confusing to me. Mm. Like, why did he just do it straight away? Why did he wait two days? Maybe he thought he could live with it, and then he couldn't. I would want to know what was the instance that made him snap. Like, yeah. Because it just seems so random um, for just one night to just be like, all right, well, I'm going to do it right now. I guess the the sad thing is, is that the people that would be able to tell us that are, are dead. Yeah. yeah. Right. Because it just seems like something made him snap and then he was in almost like a, well, what reads, it reads to me that he was like in a tense state for the next two days. Yeah. And then he kind of got out of that and realized what he'd done and be like, all right, well, catches. It's either that he couldn't live with the guilt or he was so afraid of getting caught Mm, I think it would probably be the latter. Same. Knowing what a dead shit he was, I, exactly. I can't imagine that he actually felt guilty. I'm sure he was worried much more about himself than anyone else. Mm. He seems like the kind of guy that's all about himself and he's only in it for himself. Mm, exactly. This is a really eerie thing that I did not know about this um, until I researched the case yesterday. So the first TV show that Judith was 
ever cast in was a mini series called Fatal Vision. Okay. Which was based on a true story about a man who murdered his pregnant wife and their two daughters. Oh, that's creepy. So Judith played one of the daughters in the show, and it just seems like it's such an eerie like parallel to what mm. actually ends up happening to Judith that I mean goosebumps talking about it because it just seems like such a coincidence. Yeah, that's creepy. Unfortunately, Judith didn't get to see her last two projects completed because they were released after she died. The Lamb Before Time was released in November 1988 and All Dogs Go to Heaven was released in November 1989. So yeah, I think it's just really sad that the last two things that she worked on, she never got to see them finished. Completed, yeah. So the song that plays in the closing credits of All Dogs Go to Heaven is called Love Survives and it was specifically written for Judith. Oh, I just got severe goosebumps. Yeah, so did I. And if you if you listen to the to song, obviously I can't insert any of it here, but if you if you look it up, it is so beautiful and sad and yeah. I'm kind of glad that when I seen The Lamb Before Time and All Dogs Go to Heaven, I didn't know about this because I only found out about this story like a year or so ago. Mm. It's just, it's so fucking sad. It really is. I think about it now. So Judas would be like in her early 40s. Yeah. I wonder what her life would have been, her career, because she was already so good and she was so young. Mm. Mm. It's, it's fucking rough. It really is. It's insane to think that one person who's a dead shit, who's a piece of shit, who yeah. is just jealous and is a manipulative piece of shit can make such a huge impact. Yeah. And I understand that, you know, like, people make positive impacts all the time, blah, 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 but Judith was, like, a tiny, tiny kid. Like, she was so small. She had her whole life ahead of her. And, you know, even her mum. Yeah, a a weird fact, I guess, is that Judith was only 3'8 when she died. She's so small. She was so small. Like, even if you look at photos of her, you realise how small she was and how, like, tiny she looked. Got another weird fact about this one that I didn't know either. It's just, it feels weird. I, I don't know. So Judith and Maria were buried next to each other, mm-hmm. but initially their graves were unmarked because no one wanted to pay for their headstones. That's fucking rude. It, they were unmarked for 16 years. What the fuck? Yeah. I, I, it blows my mind. It took fans of Judith and like some true crime buffs to crowdfund the money. And in 2004, they ended up getting them headstones. Jesus Christ. You would have thought that, like, someone in Hollywood, right, would have been able to front the money. How much does a headstone cost? I mean, I know they're not cheap, but not Hollywood money. You know what I mean? Right. Like, surely Judith would have had something stashed. It kind of seems like none of the family want anything to do with it. It's, It's really weird. Like, it's so weird. That's so tragic. What the fuck? Yeah. It really hurts my soul that they had unmarked graves for that long. Right? Throw Joseph the piece of shit in an unmarked grave. Like, no one cares. Yeah, that's fine. I don't even care where he is, but (laughs) I actually don't know where he is, to be honest. You know what? No one cares. (laughs) Exactly. But Judith and that, like... Yeah. Really hurts me that that's that's what ended up happening. It's really nice, though, that people came together. Yeah, eventually. I have a feeling it was one of those things where people just didn't know that that was the case, because... Why would you think that some, you know, um, someone who was like a star in Hollywood wouldn't be able to get a headstone? Right. It's just very weird. That is so strange. If you can believe it, I still have a page of notes. Really? Yeah. Woo. <laughs> I actually Googled Yosef's other children out of sheer curiosity. Mm-hmm. I was really kind of hoping that both of them had somehow gotten past this and had lived awesome lives, but unfortunately it doesn't get 
better for them either. Oh, really? Yeah, which was a real bummer because like, I was hoping that was going to be my last point. That was going to be my last thing about how his other kids had like thrived and done really well. <sighs> nope. Oh, his other daughter, Agnes, died in 2008 after a really long and horrible battle with cancer. Oh. And his son, Barna, was a chronic alcoholic as well. And he died in 1995 after he fell off a bridge in what is a suspected suicide. Jesus. It's all cursed. Like, yeah, all of it's so tragic that, like, it just had more effects outside of that. Obviously, cancer, you can't. That yeah. probably would have happened anyway, but it's just, all of it's so awful. Just the a ripple effect. Yeah. Okay, so my last thing. <laughs> Oh my god. But I've got I've got I've got some info on this one. But uh the last thing I found in relation to this case, which came up when I Googled it, was that the house got repaired and was put back on the market. Uh oh. I don't I, just, I I couldn't live in a murder house. I get why people do. I don't think I do. I think it'd freak me out too bad because I freak out so easily. Mm. But those houses tend to be a lot cheaper. So I understand how it happens. Especially like a nice house in LA. Are you kidding me? Right. But I'm such a sentimental person. That I feel like I would walk into that house and look at the hallway and be like, no. Nope. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm the same. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't do it. So, okay. The family who currently live there claim that it's haunted. Okay. I have suspicions, <laughs> personally. Um, I, I I absolutely believe in the paranormal and I absolutely believe that house is haunted. I do not Me know too. if this house is haunted. <laughs> Me too. They actually didn't know. So, the family that lives there now, they didn't know... That there was a double murder and suicide committed there. Hmm. I, I did look it up later because I'm like, that would absolutely not happen in Australia. You have to tell people if something like that has happened in the house. Hmm. Apparently in California, by law, there's like a time limit. So if the murder had happened X amount of years before, I don't have to tell them. That doesn't surprise me at all. No, <laughs> it doesn't surprise me either. So I think they moved in 11 or 13. I can't remember. It was over a decade after the the murder occurred. So I'm assuming that they didn't have to tell them, so they didn't. Right. I wonder if it just stood abandoned for a while. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually not sure. I'm not sure what happened in between that time because I had there was no info on it. Mm. This particular family only found out about it after they had talked with the neighbours. Well, that's not what you want. They still, like, the family is still residing there and they've been living there for 19 years and they said they started to feel a presence pretty much straight away. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. <sighs> I'm going to get to why I'm skeptical, uh-huh. but they report that the garage door opens and closes by itself all the time. Right. That the member of the family that ended up with Judas' bedroom apparently suffers horrible nightmares all the time. And when they stand in the hallway, they always feel like there's someone standing behind them, which, you know, interestingly enough, it covers all the places in the house where someone died. Mm. So there's a couple of other tidbits where I thought were really weird. Um, I don't really have much of an explanation for these ones. Their daughter Gabby was the one that ended up in Judith's bedroom and when she was little she had an imaginary friend named Joseph. No. Which is too much of a coincidence for me (laughs) because I think she was like 10 when they moved in. So that's the age that Judith died. No. And as a 10 year old, even when they found out about the murders, I'm sure that she probably didn't know their names. Or maybe it was a situation where they overheard her parents talking about it, heard the name. I don't know. Just no. I don't like it. 
I don't, I don't like it. If I ever have kids and like one of them just says that they have a uh, imaginary friend or just a friend that I can't fucking see named Joseph. <laughs> no, sorry, you don't. We're moving. Yeah, I yeah don't like it. Don't love it at all. Joseph is just one of those names that shouldn't be for imaginary friends. But another thing that she said when she was a kid that she couldn't sleep facing towards the window and apparently that's how judith was positioned when she was killed so that's interesting (sighs) maybe something was happening i don't know i'm very skeptical about this one but because she was so young when this happened that that's what makes me think that maybe those things were true Mm -hmm. the reason that we know all of this is because they were on three episodes of a tv show called murder house flip what which i hate by the way i hate everything about this murder house flip yes i never heard of it before (laughs) And I also tried to find the episodes, but I couldn't. And I think that's because it was on Quibi, which has since gone under. What's a Quibi? So Quibi came out at like the beginning of lockdown and it was, their whole pitch was that it was a streaming service, but the episodes were short. So like 10 to 15 minutes long. And I guess it was meant to be like a cross between like Netflix and YouTube. Right. Okay. Surprise, surprise. It didn't take off. Fair. It's since gone under. So um, that's probably why I couldn't find the episodes. Murder House I just I hate everything about it to be honest. Interesting concept. I hate that they're exploiting these crimes and I hate that they're using these people to make a TV show. Like, mm. uh, okay, so I, I did watch some videos on this after because I'm like, this is a horrible idea for a TV show. What the fuck? And apparently what happened was is they couldn't get people to come forward voluntarily to be on the show. So they just started door knocking on places where they knew horrible murders had happened. That's fucked. Yeah. I don't know. I'm one of those people that I wouldn't – I just never answer the door anyway. Like if someone – Same. If, I, if I'm not expecting someone, I ain't answering the door. Right. And even half the time when I'm ex- when I'm expecting someone, I'm just like, I'm not answering that. <laughs> <laughs> If the name doesn't say it enough, the whole point of the show is to take homes that horrible crimes have happened in and renovate them. Flip them. One of the episodes, I don't remember, because I did read a bit about the show just because it's so fucking weird. One of the episodes, they actually did pull up um, like linoleum in the bathroom and there was blood underneath. Oh, God. That's horrible. And I'm in a way, I'm kind of happy that that family got that cleaned and it was removed. But I also still feel like it's very exploitive. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know how I feel mm. about it. It's, it makes me uncomfortable either way. Sometimes I also question those shows, like, was there actually blood there or was it? No, they actually did test it. Oh, really? Yeah, it was really Oh, bad. that makes it worse. So, yeah, they actually, like, in the show, show them testing it to see if it's blood and it was. It was just, it was really terrible. Oh, no. No, no, no. After the renovation, Gabby said that she had felt bad energy there before, but since it's been renovated, it's now dissipated. And I'm like, this is where I get skeptical about this because I'm like, oh, so it's only haunted before you get a renovation paid by a TV show? Cool, 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 cool. Yeah, it, that's weird because like I've I've seen a lot of shows and I've read a lot of things that like sometimes with the residual hauntings, doing renovations stirs up the activity yeah, exactly. and makes it worse. So to hear it go the other way is interesting. Yeah, that's. I think that's sort of the main reason that I'm a bit skeptical about this. I, if a place is haunted, especially by you know a violent crime, I kind of feel like a renovation isn't going to fix that. Mm, a new coat of paint wipes all the demons away. Apparently, I yeah I don't know. <laughs> bit skeptical. 
Unless, mm. I mean, you know, reality TV isn't reality TV anymore and it's all a bit scripted and you get told what to say. Maybe she was told to say that. Oh, I don't know. You're trying to tell me that reality TV is <laughs> not reality? No. What do you mean? <laughs> I feel like at some point it was, but it's not anymore. <laughs> I feel like once the Kardashians came onto the scene, that was it. There was just no more. Yeah. I don't know why that feels like the trigger point for me, but here we I mean, are. I was surprised. Yeah. But yeah, now it's all a bit manipulated and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I mean, who knows? Maybe she was just told to say that because it made for good TV. Mm. Maybe they still feel like it's – who knows? But if if I'm just taking it at face value, I'm very skeptical. Well, I suppose it's better hearing, okay, well, yeah, the team came in and they renovated the house and now all the activity has stopped. It's a lot easier to uh, pallet and end on. Yeah, uh, exactly. Than, okay, so let's do the closing. Okay, so the guys came through and they renovated the whole house and now there's like 10 times more demons here. <laughs> all right, tune yeah, in for the next episode. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> well, interestingly, because I actually watched a few YouTube videos of people reviewing the entire show, like not just their episodes, and the episodes about the Barsi house was the only one that they focused in on supernatural stuff. So I actually do think that maybe maybe Gabby in particular had felt things before in the house, mm. just because they didn't bring it up in any other episodes. So that's why I'm thinking instead of just making up a haunting that maybe it's more like they're just making up that it's resolved so they have a nice yeah. ending on the TV show. Right, exactly. It's a lot easier to end on a on a high note than a, well, shit's even worse now. Thanks, guys. Yeah, exactly. And I kind of got the feeling that a lot of people on the show just agreed to it so that they could get a free reno. Right. I mean, renos are expensive. Exactly. Like there was one <laughs> couple and the house had already been renovated since the crime was committed, but they just wanted a new fireplace. <laughs> it's just, it's the craziest show. Anyway, so I hope that I've ended this story on a bit of a lighter note so that we all feel a little bit better. Oh, man. I wonder what I can tell. Like, I wonder what I can tell people so I can get a new fireplace. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was so weird, though. Cause was it that one or a different one? I actually think it was a different one where they were like – um, smashing their fireplace and they made up this whole sort of thing about how apparently something from the murderer was kept in the fireplace so they're like really you know amping it up that they were going to find something in this fireplace and they found nothing surprise surprise I'm sure it was used after the fact yeah like it was just anyway <laughs> really was like a really weird show man oh man ah this speaking of shows like that actually now that we've gotten past the horrible let's let's try and um leave you not thinking about that horrible thing i just told you (laughs) there's a show and i think it's still on tv it's like ghost hunters or something like that i don't know it's got some weird guy on it and he's like a younger guy i'm sure i've talked to you about it previously but he's like a cool rock dude that does ghost (laughs) hunting and, like, I remember what I, – I love ghost hunting shows and I used to love the ghost hunters with taps and stuff. Um, mm. But I watched this one and he was standing in the hallway of some hotel or some shit and, you know, like, a ghost brushed past him and suddenly he was just enraged and he's <laughs> so angry. And he's like, you guys need to leave me alone because I'm so oh angry. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was like, okay, cool. Um all right. Also, Post Malone was on that show. Why? Which is <laughs> just, just – I can't imagine <laughs> – He just wanted to be or <laughs> – I just can't imagine Post Malone going like, 
super ghost hunting, but <laughs> that was interesting. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> well, now that we reviewed a couple of TV shows for no reason. <laughs> Let us know what you want us to watch. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really sorry that I, I told you that awful thing. It's such a harsh, like, it's a hard story. It really is. Like, I, I was so, I was so bummed last night. That is so downplaying it as well. Like, it's so, it's just, it's so fucking sad. And so senseless. Mm, yeah, there was absolutely no rhyme or reason behind it. Like, and I, I guess with most crimes and things like that, there isn't really much rhyme or reason behind no. murdering someone. But sometimes there's an explanation. Yeah, like this is just... This is just a guy couldn't handle his daughter's success, so decided yeah. to ruin all of their lives. He was an asshole who just couldn't handle it and wanted yeah. to be the man, but was just... Like, why didn't he just leave if he hated it so much? It just... I mean, obviously he had control issues, but mm. it's just it's so sad. I think if I want anyone to take anything away from this apart from that's fucking horrible because it is is that if someone says something to you just take it seriously yeah absolutely even if you're not sure just tell yeah, someone like, like you mentioned before it's better to overreact than underreact especially in domestic violence situations mm, yeah just if you think something's going on just ask say something you know, mm. do something yeah i mean i know it's 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 hard it's hard to tell sometimes and it's hard um especially when like you're not involved but i just think it's better to do something mm, absolutely. just in case you know absolutely and this is the thing like i think the reason that domestic violence tends to be still like such an issue that people can't really solve is that most of the time and this this case wasn't an example of that but most of the time no one knows anything exactly it's all done behind closed doors mm, exactly um, and for the most part people are so terrified to say anything yep and speak up that it just it goes unnoticed or undetected for so long yeah exactly and so that's why it's like hard for anyone outside of the situation to even because i feel like most of the time people know something's not quite right but they have no idea mm. what is actually happening so then it gets hard like it's hard for people to report on it obviously the people in the situation aren't going to say anything it's just it's a really it's a really difficult difficult situation yeah absolutely so underplaying it but you know what i mean yeah Oh, now I'm bummed out. Yeah, I know. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I've been feeling this way since yesterday. Damn. It's just, and I think like, I think, you know, sometimes you do these things and you don't know the people, so it doesn't affect you that much, but it weirdly does affect me because I loved The Land Before Time so fucking much as a kid mm. that I feel like in a weird way, there's like some connection, even though there isn't. Right. I think with those movies like you have such a strong attachment to those characters and mm. for a lot a lot of the time like characters then just blur into like that's an actual being yeah like as a kid for sure yeah to hear that the character that you kind of thought of as a child that you held really dearly met such a horrible ending mm. is it's really sad truly is okay well i think this is probably a good place to end it on the sadness um, so if you'd like to know anything more or see any visuals, I will warn you that I do have one crime scene photo. So it's up to you if you want to look at it. It doesn't show anything. Should I describe it? Yeah. It's just an officer carrying um, her body out of the house, but she's covered in a blanket. You can't see anything. We'll put a trigger warning up before that photo anyway, so you can choose on whether or not you keep going. Yeah, exactly. So I, I will, I will we'll post that one um, just because it's not graphic. But if you don't want to see it, then 
don't mm. um, but if you do want to see it feel free to visit our website which is the devil's podcast.com you can also send us an email at devil's pod at gmail.com or you can find us on instagram or twitter at devil's margarita yeah god i'm so bummed that's all i've got <laughs> yeah i know yeah. same okay all right bye oh, goodbye